Hey, ladies and gents, and welcome back to episode three of the Controlled Interests Gamecast, where we talk about you know everything going on in the video game industry. I'm joined, as always, by Jordan, Beyond, and Dom. Beyond. <laughs> so, before we get into the news and you know what we've been playing, that whole spiel, I want to give a shout out to a couple of people. First off, I want to give a shout out to Tony, who goes by Tony Boy Angie Three on Twitter and SoundCloud. He's one of our most dedicated fans, really early on, and we really appreciate the support. Um. We, we just love that you followed us on all of our social medias and everything. So thank you for that. You're our, I guess, you know, fan of the podcast, which we really do appreciate all the support we get. And uh, the second guy I want to give a shout out to is Stefan over at UK uh, Ubisoft PR department. He was gracious enough to give us a code for the division, which I'll be talking about when we discuss, you know, what we've been playing. Um, so we definitely appreciate him taking a chance on us. We're not that big of a podcast yet, but, you know, we definitely remember everything that people do for us, you know, so we never forget. Yeah. We never forget. (laughs) Um, so going to the division, uh, I had connectivity issues when I first got into the game, uh, in the prologue area in Brooklyn. Uh, when you finish it, you get in helicopter and a cutscene happens and then it starts off where the beta begins. Um, so whenever that cutscene would happen, I would get disconnected, um, from the Ubisoft servers or the division servers. And it happened like three or four times. It was getting really frustrating. Um, and finally, once I got to the main area of Manhattan, I had no issues. It's been perfectly fine. Um, for me, the game is what I expected it to be. Um, it's something where it's like a world I want to exist in. And, you know, there's collectibles and there's side missions. And the, the shooting mechanics are really solid. Um, I have no issues with it. Um, so that's really my take on it. I'm only three and a half hours in. So in future episodes, when I have a, a, you know, a bigger chunk of that game nod through... Uh, I'll definitely give a full opinion on it, but so far, three and a half hours in, it's what I expected, um, and I'm happy with that. So, What about you, Dom? Uh, so, I'm still playing uh, Fire, Emblem Fla- Fire Emblem Fates. That's been taking up quite a bit of my time. Um, otherwise, the other day, I picked up Ocarina of Time on 3DS, because it's now a Nintendo Select, so it's only 20 bucks permanently. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Finally. Took how long? Yeah. <laughs> Yep, I paid twenty dollars for a game from nineteen ninety eight. So you've just been mobile gaming? Pretty much. I mean, uh, earlier today I did a few rounds of Battlefront, but yeah, for the most part, yeah, I've just been sitting on the three DS. Oh, okay. Have you beat Ocarina of Time before? About nineteen or twenty times. Jeez. Yeah. Wowie. I could definitely. When I was. I remember playing that game, uh, elementary school, and just wanting to get like adult link with his horse and i could barely even get there <laughs> oh yeah yep i remember the first time you pull the master sword and you turn into adult link is like holy shit like it's a whole new world i want old nice. man link that's what i want <laughs> old man link um i have been uh honestly it's kind of weird because uh you know the timing of us starting this podcast um i i really haven't played much games this year uh, at all, just because there hasn't been anything that has really jumped out at me. Yeah. Um, January was pretty dry. Uh, there was like the witness and amplitude. Um, February had Firewatch and Far Cry Primal. Um, and Far Cry Primal, like I said last week, is a relatively uh, forgettable game, and it really is just a reskin of Far Cry Four in a lot of ways. Um, so it's not, it didn't scratch that itch that I wanted from a big, awesome open world game at the beginning of the year. 
Maybe I should have gone with a division, thinking about it now. But <clears throat> this past week, uh, I haven't done a whole lot of gaming, just because, like I said, you know, it comes in phases, comes and goes. So uh, I've actually been watching uh, Season 4 House of Cards, which is incredible. I've only ever finished Season 1, and I love that show. I just need to get... I'm terrible at binging things, so I just need to get to it. Man, somehow, like, I'm super into politics, and... Super into, uh, I love Kevin Spacey, but somehow that's like the one show I haven't even... Dude, yet. season one I is golden. <laughs> you guys, honestly, Jared, you've seen season one. I think a lot of people are saying that four is the best since one, and I would totally agree with that. Oh, wow. Um, four was incredible. I just finished it yesterday. Um, you guys have got to get on that show for real, especially <laughs> right. if yeah. you love politics and Kevin Spacey. Like, I don't know what you're doing, Dom. <laughs> yeah, it's just been one of those things that slipped through the cracks, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was great. Um, and then uh, Daredevil Season 2 came out today. I watched the first episode, and that was really cool. Um, but I've been playing uh, original Mass Effect, um, like we talked about last week. Um, you know, I'm starting to realize a lot of people talk about how uh, like subsequent Mass Effect games kind of lost their RPG parts uh-huh. and uh by the third game it was barely an rpg at all a lot of people say which i haven't gotten to but we'll see um and i'm starting to realize why because a lot of the rpg mechanics in the original mass effect are kind of like boring as crap um, i think it's it's like overbearingly clunky too like... oh yeah yeah like the shops don't make a lot of sense and they're like all over the the citadel you kind of got to fast travel back and forth just to get between shops which i mentioned how big of an issue i had with the witcher kind of having to go back and forth between blacksmiths and armorers and stuff when you're playing these giant rpgs you don't want that kind of clunkiness and the cumbersome menus and stuff like that you want to be able to hop in hop out and move around real quick because there are a lot of you know you're going to spend hours of time in menus so you don't want to spend extra chunks of half hours throughout your playtime just trying to get past the crappy parts of the menu. So Yeah. Um, Mass Effect is a classic game, and I do enjoy it a lot, but, you know, going back in time and playing games on the last generation or Ocarina of Time several generations ago, you just kind of see how far gaming's come and, and where we've improved on the little things, I guess. So Yeah. I'm enjoying it, but, um, you know, it's it's 10 years old, so it is what it is. Right. Um, going off of that, I think the, the second one is the best blend. It, it hits, like, getting rid of a lot of the stuff that's clunky, and it actually still feels like an RPG, so. I'm, I'm very excited to get to the second one. That's my, per- that's my favorite franchise, Mass Effect, and that's my favorite one out of the three. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I want to make a point, I'm going to stick with it, I'm going to play all three games, and um, I do like the franchise a lot. I've read some of the novels and stuff, so I'm not just like kicking it to the curb. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see. Uh, I'm interested to see what you think of the ending of three. Yeah, yeah. that will <laughs> be its like own topic. Dreading. I think yeah. that'll be kind of a yeah, good topic exactly. for us. Um, so shifting into the news here, uh, GDC was obviously the week of this recording, and they had the GDC awards. I'm gonna run through them really quickly, and then the heavy hitters. We're gonna have you guys guess as to what won what. Um, so the best debut, which I mean is, I'm assuming is like the, the best new franchise is a different way of titling that, uh, was Moon Studios for Ori and the Blind Forest. Beautiful game, great platformer. 
Uh, best audio, Crypt of the Necrodancer, which was a PC game. I don't know if it hit consoles or not. Um, it did. The Innovation Award, Her Story, not really surprising. Um, best visual art, Ori in the Blind Forest, once again, not surprising. Um, best design, Rocket League. Um, Ooh. So the last Ooh. three, uh, well, actually, best narrative, Her Story. And then the last three I'm going to have you guys guess on. We'll get real quick guesses, lightning round. So, handheld mobile game. What do you guys think? Ollie Ollie 2, welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> Are you dumb? What's your guess? Uh, Taco Master? I don't <laughs> It's her story. Oh, it's on iOS? Yeah, I guess. Oh, okay. so, I didn't even... Yeah. Um, weird pick, but... Nonetheless, so the audience award. So the, the game that I think the audience resonated with the most. What do you think won that award? What game? Witcher Three: Wild Hunt. Dumb. Fallout Four. Both of those are wrong. Life is strange. Ugh. That did resonate with a lot of people. I'll, I'll give them that because people don't ever shut up about Life is Strange. Love that game. Yeah. Hannah, tell if you're, you're out there, I'm going to interview there. you. Exactly. Um, and last one, game of the year. What do you guys think? All right, Witcher Three: Wild Hunt had to win this one. Okay, you doubling down, dumb. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I hate to make the same pick, but I did definitely won. Yep, it's Witcher Three. No yeah. surprise. Um, yep. CD Project Ward, uh, CD Project Red, more successes. You know. So going on to the, the after we get to the GDC awards, the the second story here is Obsidian announces Tyranny. It's a fantasy RPG where you're the bad guy. Um, Obsidian obviously responsible for a, a lot of games and they're a very well known um, developer and this game is like PC exclusive it looks really weird um, I don't think I'll ever be playing it uh, it just you know Obsidian people are wondering what they've been doing um, since I think was New Vegas the last thing they did or was the South, South Park. Park South Park they helped with Pillars of Eternity didn't they yeah you're right you're right yeah, this, yeah, this game looks weird. It definitely doesn't look like anything I'm going to be playing, but it's good to know what they've been working on, I guess. So good on you, Obsidian, for working on this new game. I like the name. Tyranny is a very catchy name. Plus, when they're done now, finally, they can get to work on the uh, Fallout Detroit. Uh, <laughs> Although they, they wouldn't really need an apocalypse for that one. So I guess yeah, just current day Detroit. Happened <laughs> <laughs> on Detroit. <laughs> hey, Detroit's my city, man. That's only a two-hour drive for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, I, w- I want I want to talk about Obsidian. Okay. So, uh, um, Obsidian for me is one of those developers, uh, kind of like Platinum Games, where uh, Platinum is like the worst name for Platinum Games because they should be called like Bronze Games or something like that. <laughs> um, like seriously, Platinum has some crappy stuff, man, and like even the games that people talk about being great from Platinum, like Metal Gear Revengeance, like. I think there's way better hack and slash games out there than that, and uh, of course, don't even need to mention Core, though I will. Um, but Obsidian, um, a lot of people think of them as the Fallout New Vegas developer, and they have all this goodwill. But I'm not quite so sure. Like, especially for older gamers or people that have been around a little bit longer, um, Obsidian's had some messed up stuff that people weren't really fond of. Uh, for example. Knights of the Old Republic 2. A lot of people say they ruined that franchise, and that's why we don't have any more Knights of the Old Republic games. Um, so, like I said, they're kind of like Platinum, where, yeah, they have some games that people really celebrated, but then I think they have some stinkers as well, so... 
I think their most recent stuff, though, has been their best work. So, I mean, it seems like they've gotten better. True. I think if this one comes out and it's and it's solid, I think I'll shut up about them. You know, I'll just yeah. start picking on Platinum full-time. So, the next story comes from Christopher Grant over at Polygon. And uh, there was actually some news about this on the Kind of Funny live stream of GDC. Cliffy B, or Cliff Blazinski, rather. He doesn't like to be called Cliffy B anymore. Um... <laughs> He talked about his game Lawbreakers uh, that's exclusive on Steam, which he could have just said it's only on PC. It's weird to say it's exclusive on Steam. Yeah. I don't know if he's getting paid to say that. Either way, Lawbreakers is no longer free-to-play, and it has a new look. Um, so this game was originally going to be free-to-play with microtransactions, but he came out and he was talking about how microtransactions are really weird, and he his team was focusing too much on how do we make money off of this and not how do we make a great game, which is an interesting take on it. It's like a very honest approach. Because it is the truth, like, when you make a free-to-play game, you need to figure out how to make money off of it, because you need to pay the people who made the game, right? And for him, he was like, we were focusing too much on that, and we weren't focusing on actually making a solid game, so it took away from us creating a great game. Now, the weird thing is, they actually changed logos, um, and it went from a very, like, colorful, metallic logo to a very, uh, it's a basic white logo with a gray background that looks like Gears of War font. It it almost looks like pretty close to Gears of War font. Uh, oh wow! And it's interesting because I don't know if it's maybe he when people think of Cliff Bozinski they think of Gears of War. So I don't know if he feels that it'll help the game sell. Um, it looks like a solid game. People early testers of the game have said it's really cool. The mechanics are about like gravity and there's the law and there's the breakers. I guess that's what's called law breakers and. <laughs> It's something to do with manipulating gravity, and that's the whole gameplay function of it. It's like a very open, like, arena-based shooter, it seems like. And, um, yes, yeah, so what are your guys' thoughts on it going uh, going from the free-to-play model to a paid model? So, for me, I'm looking at the GameSpot article right now. Okay. And it says, uh, he did not spe- uh, specify a price point for the game. Yes. Saying only that it will not have the $60 price point of a traditional product despite his description of it as a premium title. And that's very weird to me how if you're not going to go free-to-play, but you're not going to go $60, to me that sounds like, I don't know, 30 or 40 but then it or still a subscription. has... subscription. Right, subscription or microtransactions. Just because it's not free-to-play doesn't mean it won't have microtransactions. What he was talking about when he was uh, in the interview, he was talking about uh, CSGO's model, right? So it has a cover charge, like a, a nice bar. Or any bar, really. So you have a cover charge to keep the bums out, right? So it's like a $15 entry. Then once you're in there, you have these these microtransaction things where it adds to the game, but you necessarily don't need to have those to enjoy the game, right? Yeah. Like, and I think that's what it's going to be. I think it's going to be a very low price point, lower than people expect. I think 15 probably 20 bucks makes most sense. And then it's going to have microtransactions in it that you can go to, but they're not going to be vastly important to the gameplay right whereas if it was a complete free-to-play model they have the you have you know with mobile games it's like you have 10 lives you run out of those lives wait 24 hours or pay us five bucks you know so it's like i think it's going to be i think since he mentioned csgo so much and he was talking about it on such an extent of describing exactly what goes on i think that's what it's going to be it's going to be a low cover charge with macro macro transactions in it um, but I don't think it's going to be a Jonathan Blow thing where it's forty bucks and he's trying to say that this is also you know this is a price you can pay for a full fledged game. I think it's going to be a low cover charge. See, for me, I remember him talking at uh, kind of funny GameSpot E3 last year about how he was cool with the microtransactions because 
he thought that they were doing them in a different way that wasn't like everyone else, I guess. Yeah. And that wasn't so invasive or, you know, play to win type thing. And he's still saying he doesn't want play to win, but I don't know. It was almost like he was selling his game on the fact that it was going to be the first free to play game that people didn't hate because it's free to play. And then they totally change. I, I'm starting to think this game might be in a little bit of trouble. Um, I've think I've thought that it looked really generic since the first trailer. Like, you guys remember Fracture, that game from last generation? No. So sounds familiar. Kind of place your fu- point of it being generic, though. I guess yeah. I don't remember it. Yeah, and it's funny because like the I'm gonna look it up here, but uh, like the typesetting on the logo and everything looks now that they've changed Lawbreakers looks almost. It looks like similar to to Fracture. It reminds me of it. But anyways, um, Fracture was just kind of like one another one of those like generic games with uh, some kind of gimmick, and it was the fact that you could change terrain, like you could raise and lower your terrain based on um, different combat situations. And it seems like Lawbreakers is kind of that, but with gravity instead of terrain. And so these like. It's almost like we've had our, our wealth of hero shooters, or we're about to at least, and now we're getting like the the spinoffs, not real spinoffs, but you know, like a spinoff on the concept of the yep. hero shooter. But the thing uh, is, is like that's... Cliff Blazinski knows how to make games, like he made Gears and those are solid games, right? Like, True. And if he, whether or not we have enough of something, he he puts out quality products, like it's, yes, it's what but... he does. This will be uh, Boss Key's first game, so I'm I'm hesitant. I will say. Yeah, understandably so. Do you have anything to add, Dom, about this whole free to play changing and even the art style change? I'm looking at a picture here, and they changed the character model for one of the characters. He went from looking like a futuristic cyborg to looking like a like an executioner with a bunch of metal on him. It's really weird. <laughs> well, I mean, if nothing else, uh, this is a news article, so it gets people talking about the game a little bit. So. Yeah, that's true. Any publicity is good publicity, as mm-hmm. they say. So, with the after going after all that, you know, lawbreakers, free to play, changing, we're gonna get to the story that probably everybody's already heard, and we're gonna give our take because that's what you need another opinion on this. Um, so, VR is announced. It's release date, anyways. It's coming out in October, three ninety nine. PlayStation VR. The price is cheaper than what I expected. The release date is is. Pretty much around what I expected it was going to be somewhere between August and December. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so going alongside this, it's not too much information there, obviously, the price point, the release date, and that you're going to need the PlayStation camera um, also is a big thing. Um, Sony actually told developers that if their game ever drops below 60 FPS, that they will not certify the game. So there's kind of like a bar of quality there, uh, which is interesting. Um, and, uh, yeah, so what do you guys, what are your guys' thoughts and opinions on this whole VR being announced and... Uh, devs having to hit a benchmark so that benchmark thing i'm fine with um because i've been hearing and reading that um especially for vr you want the higher frame rate otherwise it can cause problems to your eyes or give you headaches type of thing so i mean i'm okay with that like requiring that kind of level of quality jordan i think uh the price and everything is pretty much what i thought it was going to be cheaper than i thought it was going to be but not too much cheaper. Um, I think that this whole PlayStation camera thing is actually going to hurt it quite a bit because yeah. it's not the price of the camera. The, pr- the camera is like 50 or 60 MSRP. Um, it's the fact that it isn't in the box. And I don't know why you wouldn't put that in the box. That's an essential 
part of the console. It's like not. It's like giving you a PS4 without a controller or without an AC cord. Like so, it's like giving you a new Nintendo 3DS without a charge cord. I think exactly. I think Dom wanted to talk about uh, VR in a little bit more of extent. So, what would you say? What's your opinion, just solely on the the price and the uh, launch date? Was that what you expected? Yeah, it was what I expected. Just the. I guess we'll get into it more in a minute, but I do think it is a mistake not having the camera bundled in. So I'm I'm 100% okay with how they did it. I mean, because they did announce shortly after um, there's a bundle for $500. It comes with the camera, um, two move controllers, and whatever the promotional game or whatever. So it, it is um, for $500, so it is cheaper than buying everything uh, piecemeal. But, I mean, they should have included that with the original announcement too. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, putting them both out there, because there are some number of people who already do have the camera. So, I mean, you shouldn't... I mean, it makes sense to not make them buy another one. Um, but they, the way they did announce it, like, oh, you know, $400, that's it. You know, it, it just inferred that that's all you would need. Right. And then you sh- find out shortly thereafter that, yeah, you do need a camera and yeah, X, Y, Z. But I think, I think getting it to that price point, though, was really was important. Whether or not the camera thing is a completely different issue, I think hitting that $400 by itself is a lot cheaper than a lot of people anticipated. And, you know, gamers are already in this mindset of like, yeah, $400 is a lot of money, don't get me wrong, but we dropped that on a console, right? So it's like, it's something that you can kind of like come to terms with as a gamer. You're like, if this is an experience I want. But then again, if you see it as an accessory, then it's a whole different argument. But, and your yeah. all-in cost is still way cheaper than um, any of the other VR solutions that are going to exist. I mean, with a console and a PSVR, you're still... $800 max, right? Whereas a, a PC that's capable of using Oculus or Vive and the, and the VR headset itself, you're looking at like 1500 bucks or so. So, I mean, all in, you're getting a great value. Um, they're not going to be, I mean, PSVR isn't going to be quite as, uh, quite as nice or as high tech as some of the other ones, but I mean, it's still going to give you a pretty similar experience. Definitely. So thank you guys for listening to the news portion of this podcast. We're going to be hopping into the topics now. And I believe Dominic, you're up first. What's your topic for us this week? So, um, kind of jumping off the PSVR um, news, it recently came out that uh, Kotaku reported that Sony may be working on a PlayStation 4.5, um, which is interesting. So, reading directly from Kotaku, um, Sony is currently planning a new version of the PS4 with increased graphical power and games running at 4K resolution, developer sources tell Kotaku. Um, so, this is interesting. Um, Currently, um, being someone that's pretty up-to-date and current with um, PC gaming and graphics cards, there are only, I mean, a couple single GPUs that can reasonably run games at 4K resolutions, each costing over $600. And even then, they can't get anywhere near a smooth 60 frames per second. So for Sony to release um, essentially a PlayStation Slim with you know, a, a different GPU, I mean, it would, it would, have, it would have to cost... A, right so yeah um i mean the report seems somewhat credible but i'm gonna i'm gonna say like there's just there's just no way this is really weird timing though why would you announce this when you just announced something for people to buy for four hundred dollars right it's like here's our thing we want you to buy for four hundred dollars oh and if you want actually to have a better console we're gonna have this other console i'm assuming it's gonna be more than four hundred dollars right it it would have to be seven eight hundred bucks i mean it would have to be Unless they're already taking a bite on on VR, right? That's the thing is, if if it's selling for four hundred dollars, isn't the thing that like the manufacturing costs? They're not going to make a dollar on it, right? 
Yeah, I mean, to me it doesn't seem as much like PS4.5 or PS4 Slim as much as it seems like PS4 Premium or Elite, you know. And I think Sony needs to check themselves before they wreck themselves again with the whole seven or eight hundred dollar console price point i don't think they want to just jump into that so it is going to have to cost more than 500 i would say um but i don't know you know like these uh, xbox one and ps4 are uh, 4k capable but it's only for uh like streaming netflix and stuff like that which netflix isn't even doing yet so um yeah it's like i don't know is it even worth it for Sony? Are people going to want to buy that? Like, why wouldn't you just buy a PC at that point, I guess is what I'm saying, and, and make it 4K and, and, like, really beef it up as opposed to, like, at that point it's just, like, a low-end PC that can do 4K. It's like you're buying so, in the middle. Yeah, exactly. So, like, the only way this could reasonably work is it would be, uh, like Jordan mentioned, a PlayStation Premium. But that would also hinge on um, the developers of new games going forward would have to uh, you know put a setting in their game where you can play this at 4K, yeah. Or you know if you have the premium, or you can play it at 1080p, 900p, whatever. That way, you know games aren't exclusive to either, you know, to just the premium version, which obviously you know wouldn't work at all. It would hurt the game. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The the problem I have with this is why is there such this focus on like trying to be a PC. I, I don't understand why it's like I understand why you'd want your console to hit 4K and everything, but to me, like instead of worrying about what like what capability your console has, maybe you should worry whether or not it goes down every five days. Yeah, it's yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that Sony and Microsoft may not even realize they're doing it, but they're pushing themselves closer and closer to not being worth it, to not being worth having. Because everybody has a, almost everybody has a computer. It just may not be a gaming computer. Yeah. And then they have their console to play games on. But then, if you know, you got this PS4 Premium or whatever, why wouldn't you just buy that special beefed up PC? And then it's your all in one. It's your console and your internet browser and your email thing. I just think that they're pushing themselves closer and closer to not, not being relevant. Like with. Sony just doing uh, remote play on PC, and then, of course, Microsoft starting to release all their exclusives besides Halo on PC. Um, another good point to make in this conversation is the fact that uh, Microsoft was just talking about having upgradable consoles. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's... Why wouldn't you go that direction? Like, Yeah. <laughs> instead of just saying, oh, here's a whole other different box, why don't you just have... You know, either use the USB ports or whatever you need to do and just uh, upgrade your console and make it simple. Like, I've thought about this for a while, how PS5, you could just have these, kind of like you can slide your hard drive in and out. Yeah. You can just have all these certain pieces, like your GPU, your CPU, your hard drive. Make it consumer-friendly as far as being able to upgrade it, yeah. Make it so that it's literally just all... All the main pieces that you would want to upgrade can just slide in, slide out, and you can have people playing 4K PlayStation 4, and you can have people playing 1080p PlayStation 4, and it's not going to hurt anybody because just like on PC, it's just the, you know, the different settings that you click through. You can scale up or scale down, and it's still the same game, but 
one might look better or run faster on a different machine. And that's the thing too is like if they make games that way, right? If the if the development process was that way, then I think it would be best for everybody because PC has been having a lot of problems with game ports, right? Games not working right. on PC. But if consoles were in the sense of a PC where there was these multiple settings and there were these multiple like versions, then you would hit the highest benchmark and then be able to have everything underneath it fit, right? So sure. what you're going to get with that, though, is, I mean, a lot of the stigma around PC gaming is, oh, you know, this driver update and this is going wrong and you can never just turn it on and play. Um, you know, it's a lot more complicated. And that comes from having all those different graphical settings and having all different pieces of hardware. Um, that's what makes, you know, that's what re- requires all those updates and, you know, those. Yeah, but people have to deal with that stuff nowadays, though, too, like with the, the, the you know, Sony, Sony's network and with Xbox being down quite often, like they have to deal with stuff, too. So it's not like the what people want out of console is just like what you said. They want to be able to put in a game and play. And we're still having issues with that, whether or not they're closer to PCs or not. Like there's still issues we sure. have, you know, and it could turn out to just be a situation where it's like a. You know, the PS4, let's say it's PS5 to where you can actually, you know, upgrade your console. The PS5 could just be like a standardized PC where, for example, Arkham Knight on PC had all those issues because they're trying to, like, think of all the different configurations that you could possibly have in your machine. Yeah. And that's just not feasible. But if Microsoft or Sony are the ones saying, okay, well, you can have a choice of these four GPUs and these four CPUs and these four hard drives. And it's like build your own. Yeah. It's all standard. It's all scalable, which games are nowadays if they're going to be on PC. And I think that that's an easy transition. And it gets us out of this whole... There's a disparity right now between console games and PC games because of the fact that PC game... Console gaming, at this point, in my opinion, is essentially holding PC gaming back. Because... Oh, PC gaming could be so cool if oh, yeah. it wasn't for console games, you know? I think the way technology proliferates, too, is, like, PC is always going to be ahead of consoles. It's just the way it is, you know? Sure. But if it's an upgradable kind of thing, that means that these consoles could potentially move forward and progress at, I wouldn't say the rate of a PC, but closer, you know? So they would release yeah. these, like, standardized things more often as opposed to getting a new console every five to seven years you would get these new upgradable solutions that you could get into or not get into they're totally optional every year to two years you know well exactly Uh, like um like mobile like phone games right i mean i might have an iphone 6s and you could have an iphone 4 you can download the same games for each one mostly um, yeah but it's going to be a different experience and it's scalable and the thing too is i think even though consoles are probably going to go closer and closer to being, you know, for all intents and purposes, gaming PCs. The thing that they have above everybody is, like, when you buy a console, you're buying, like, a brand, right? So Microsoft, Sony. Sure. And there's the longevity and history there. So, like, if I had the choice to buy a, a, a gaming a gaming PC and a console that both run the same things, and I can either have one that has all of my achievements ever or one that doesn't. Yeah. And that, this is kind of an argument only for PlayStation, I guess, because... With, you know, Windows 10 and Microsoft uh, Xbox merging so much, you'll probably be able to access that stuff through Windows games anyways. But I guess it's more of a PlayStation argument of, like, would you pick the console with all of your trophies or would you pick the gaming PC when essentially they can run the same games at the same depth, you know? so The whole Microsoft Phil Spencer thing, too, he was mentioning the fact that, kind of like what you said, Dom, about uh, making it like a... a a mobile model like phones essentially um so you 
you know, with phones, you usually upgrade every two years, but, you know, things can change. Um, but with this, think if, you know, instead of every six or seven, eight, ten years, the companies have to come out with a whole new console, and instead you just kind of have a shell, this box, and then every two years it can be upgraded to fit the standards. Because, for example, PS4 is more powerful than Xbox One, and yet when it came out in 2013, PS4 was an underpowered system compared to the PCs of the day, like standard mm-hmm. PCs. And it's even more behind now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So what we need is to be able to, uh, every couple of years, upgrade our stuff a little bit so that you don't have to... Because no one's going to buy PS5 two years after PS4 comes out. And same thing with PS6, you know? Yeah. You don't want to be using the PlayStation name that often. Yep. So I think that upgrading every couple years would be great it would be they would have you on the hook for the long run you know sony or microsoft would to where it's like they're getting more money on the long run but you're saving money in the short run so i think everyone would be happy but it's all optional too so like the guy who the guy who makes 100k a year can upgrade whenever like pre-order everything when it comes out yeah or the kid whose parents bought him the console he will still be able to play all the new games that come out and he doesn't have to worry about upgrading because he really can't afford it yeah, maybe at a lower that's an everybody. But... Yeah. It's an everybody win situation. The companies are making money, and then the people who don't have time to pay for a new console every couple of years are, are winning. And I think that that would keep us from being the stagnant situation where, you know, 2016, honestly, we need new consoles. Yeah. Like, the consoles are outdated and underpowered at this point. And don't even get me started on Nintendo. They're about to bring out essentially an <laughs> Xbox that runs at 900p, and it's like, God, this that's like three years ago, dude. What are you doing, you know? So I want to see console gaming with this, you know, the world that we live in where con- technology is constantly changing. I want to see console gaming be able to constantly change and not have to wait until the next generation to be able to take that big step. PlayStation takes this premium route that we're, you know, self-titling it, and Xbox goes the upgradable route. PlayStation is essentially figuring out ways to to lose their lead because yeah. if if Xbox hits this first, it's going to be a definite solution to what people people have in their minds of needing to buy a new console every five years. So right, yeah. So I will say this: one of the speculated names for this PlayStation Premium is PS4K, which <laughs> sounds so good. Yeah, it does. Just as a name, PS4K VR something. <laughs> right yeah (laughs) see that's the thing like you said at the beginning of this topic jared why would you announce this when you're announcing this whole vr system that you're trying to get people to buy into like it just seems like they're getting greedy at this point honestly i mean i think this is i think this is more of a leak um let me go back and read um but then again you don't know what's quote-unquote leaked you know this could be leaked you never know so Sony's got to be careful with that lead, man. They've still got a lot of people that remember the PS3 generation and the whole, you're going to have to get a second job for this console. Like, don't even go there, man. Don't even start thinking that you can just charge us whatever If anything, Sony should understand that Phil Spencer's public enemy number one. Cause... Sure. <laughs> well, a lot of people, people like him so much, dude. Yep. A lot of people like me still remember the red ring of death and having to go through three Xbox 360s in that. Cycle. Yeah, but you can sure. still buy two 360s and still be at the same price point of a <laughs> PS3. Very good point. <laughs> That's a good one. I think that uh, it's I'm I'm officially titling it the PS2 Hubris 
and they don't need to get the PS2 hubris back. They need to leave that where it where it was back in the PS3 generation. Yeah, I fully agree. Alrighty, thank you for that topic, Dom. It was really good. Uh, we're going to shift over to Jordan's topic now. What do you got for us, Jordan? So, I was thinking about the fact that I'm not going to have my comfort food later on this year, my wonderful little Assassin's Creed game where I get to go and stab people in the throat in the beautiful city streets of London and France. Um, like mac and cheese. Ex- exactly. Um, so I was just thinking about the fact that, you know, I'm going to miss that game this later on this year because I like the fact that, you know, there can be a Halo and a Call of Duty and a Mass Effect Andromeda, Fallout 4, whatever, that only come around so often. But even if those games aren't quite uh, piquing my interest, I can always go for what I know will satisfy me, which is a somewhat mediocre Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> so... Um, we're not getting that this year, and I guess my question I'm asking you guys is, what kind of franchises are you missing? What kind of franchises need to be back, or maybe they're around, but they're not around in the sense that you want them to be? I guess a good example of that would be Metroid Prime Fusion Force, is that right, Dom? Uh, Federation Force, I think. Federation Force, yeah. which is an even worse name. Um, and just the fact that like everyone wants a Metroid game, but nobody wants that Metroid game, so... What are the franchises that you guys uh, are missing right now? you want to shoot first, Dom, or you want me to go? No, you go ahead. Okay, so for me, I really think that they should take more advantage of the Mass Effect franchise. So, like, yeah. I love the Mass Effect franchise. I love everything about it. Um, these full-fledged, like, you know, 60-hour games, 40-hour games, whatever they're going to be, like Andromeda, Mass Effect 3, Mass Effect 2, those are fine, but I really think that they should hit in the middle ground and have a separate company over there at a separate division over there at Bioware work on these smaller games, kind of like a Fallout 3 to Fallout New Vegas kind of thing. Mm. Um, because the universe is so expansive and the lore is so huge that I really think they're missing a lot of opportunity to give us things. And, man, man, man that the lore in that game is so great that they could take that... T- they could make so many different genres of games. Like, they, they, could, do, they could do an XCOM-style game. They could yeah. do... There's so many opportunities that I just don't think they're hitting on, and I really wish they had this kind of like what Call of Duty is doing now, where it's three different companies and they each have time to make a polished game, right? I think they could definitely hit that out of the park with Mass Effect because it is a name that resonates with people. When people hear Mass Effect, they know it's you know it's a, a franchise that people care about, and I think yeah. being able to have these like little ancillary titles in there would would salivate me man i I want more mass effect and andromeda got delayed and i really hope it doesn't suck um i i don't know i just i want more mass effect and that's kind of selfish i guess but i totally get where you're coming from i've been thinking the same thing like you mentioned before we started recording that mass effect is your favorite franchise there's only three games you know yeah (laughs) like most franchises are big and have spinoffs and have I mean, Mass Effect has uh, a lot of great novels and a lot of great comic books. Yeah. But yeah, where are the other games? Like, it's been, by the time Andromeda comes out, it'll be, what, four or five years since the last Mass Effect? And of course, that didn't end on such a great note, so I totally agree with you on the Mass Effect front, and um, I'm not sure if you guys are fans of the Dragon Age series, but... Yeah, I'm actually, I need to get through the DLC on Inquisition. Uh, Bioware are masters of lore. Yes. Absolute. Yes. Like, 
maybe the best in the industry when it comes to lore. Agreed. Um, they've written like essentially lore bibles for Ma- Mass Effect franchise and Dragon Age, and both of those series have such deep and interesting lore that you want to find out more. You want to read the comics and the novels, and so yeah, I mean, Dragon Age has had four games, um, and then. I do feel like there's more ancillary Dragon Age stuff than there is Mass Effect. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Mass Effect definitely needs to be one of those series, because like I said, Bioware just has it locked down on the lore. They has definitely it... know how to do lore right. I yeah. ugh, I love I love everything they do so much. That's that's why I'm so excited, sorry, uh, about the Star Wars game. Yeah. I'm excited to see what that, because, you know, the thing is going to be filled to the brim with lore, and it's going to be fantastic. Well, that's another great example is the KOTOR games have, well, they only made uh, Knights of the Old Republic 1, but that put that brought a lot of awesome lore into the Old Republic side of Star Wars that wasn't there before that game. Yeah. So yeah, that was the that was going to be the example I was going to pick. That was uh, KOTOR <laughs> cuz um I never played the original. Um it was kind of I want to say before my time, but like I mean, I was just a youngin when that was around. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I really Never got into it, never went back to it. And at this point, I don't I mean, so old, but maybe I could have some fun with it nowadays. But yeah, that, that would I be will something... say I modded it last fall, and I don't know if you're into modding. If you are, it's worth it because you can make it look a lot better, and it is like a freaking classic game. But it may, I imagine if a studio like BioWare, you know, remade that game today, what it could be. True. Um, the other obvious one uh, I'm thinking of is uh, Red Dead. I think everyone yep. is just dying for that. But um, they, uh, did you see that they're the next one's going to come out in 2017? There's a rumor that would add up, I guess. Yeah. Well, they were talking about wasn't it Rockstar or Take Two, their publisher, that was talking about how they don't want to milk the crap out of their franchises and they want to give them time to breathe. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> you can find a I middle think... ground between uh, milking the crap out of it yeah. and you know letting it turn into dust. It doesn't need to be Kingdom Hearts, right? Yeah. Well, totally Kingdom Hearts, but well, they've had all this spinoffs throughout the years. But I guess that's Red what, Dead, yeah. where like you're waiting too long on Red Dead, you're losing the zeitgeist on Red yeah. Dead. You know, yeah, Red Dead isn't GTA, <laughs> exactly, in the sense of like you know public thought. So, like I mean, yeah, make your game good, take your time, but yeah, they're sitting on Red Dead, Red Dead, which is just a cash cow, just waiting, you know. But, yeah, people are going to forget about it, like you're saying. It's um, so interesting how different the... F- so a lot of people don't even know about Red Dead Revolver, which is yeah. a game that, the game that came out before Redemption, and I had that game, right. and I loved that game. It, it was it was just such a great experience. But, like, the change between that game and Redemption was unreal. It was, like, com- two completely different games. They're barely connected whatsoever. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's... It's Red Dead Redemption is essentially a spinoff of Revolver, I would say. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's still something cool to know. Like a lot of people, there's a lot of people surprisingly I don't even know about Revolver. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, plus, they make great DLC. I don't know why GTA Five hasn't gotten a solid piece like a Ballad of Gay Tony or even Undead Nightmare that Red Dead Redemption got. Like, I I don't know how GTA Five hasn't gotten. I mean, it took him so long to deliver on something that was on the package, the online yeah. gameplay, but yeah. I, they're under under milking their franchises right now. Yeah. Rockstar is because, like, why didn't they make another bully game? Why isn't there another Red Dead? How the hell did you not make single player DLC for GTA Five? 
maybe the biggest game ever. And yet you keep selling it on every console for 60 bucks. Exactly. How do you not realize that people would buy DLC for that game? And I've just been waiting and waiting, and I was like, well, maybe once they put out the PC version, which was last year, maybe they'll finally get around to that DLC, and they never did. I don't care about GTA, but I'm just sitting on the outside looking like, what are you thinking? Yeah, we're not saying a game every, you know, eight months to a year, but maybe a game every two years would be cool. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, Far Cry every two years. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, we love to just make fun of EA or Activision or Destiny or and then Call of Duty every year, you know, you know, call them, you know, like these corporate greedy, you know, bloodsuckers just, you know, want every last right. dime and they're not even making good games anymore. You know, we love to, you know, criticize uh, publishers or studios for that kind of thing, but... That, you're right with Rockstar. It's like the opposite. It's too far in the other direction. Like it's, there's yep. not enough content. Like it's like the I don't know. Yeah, it's like the Valve thing of like they don't want to they don't want to oversaturate. Dude. But like I think it's just being too like caught up in yourself to be, be like that personally. Don't even get me started on Valve. Freaking over there making <laughs> Portal demos for the Vive. Get out of here, man. Like make a video game, dude. Where is Left for Dead Three? Yeah. Like, that's a perfect example. Where is Left 4 Dead 3? Where is Portal 3? Where Anything is 3. 3? Obviously. <laughs> yeah. like, don't tell me you're afraid to make a third game in a, a franchise. Like, these are big, big names that you're just letting wither and die. Why would you let your awesome franchises wither and die? Yeah, well, agreed. Plus, um, uh, Zelda. Where Where is Zelda? I, well, a Zelda I, game we want to buy. And play. Right, I that's need, not I, we, made like 10 years ago. We need more than one per console generation. I mean, come on, Nintendo. Just It's crazy to think that Skyward Sword was the last uh, major entry that wasn't a re-release. Right. Yeah, that was on console. And, and they're that not anywhere near the scope of a GTA. So you don't have the same kind of excuse, you know, or, you know, extra time to polish. Like, yeah. Zelda is tiny compared. To, I mean, it's still big, right? But Well, they're talking about, um, you know, obviously they've delayed the game because it was supposed to come out, like a while ago i feel like um and they were sh- they would show us those like off-screen demos you know uh-huh. and that world just looks so empty like it doesn't people are like oh it's animated skyrim but i don't skyrim had people like populating it and monsters to fight and stuff like that and you're showing us a playable demo and yet it just looks like a a world that you just drop this character into to run around in for a while. I, I just, yeah, man, as the, as the years go on and even the days and the months, like, that nostalgia tank that's been jet-fueling yep. Nintendo is running on in fumes at this point. And that's kind of a, another point I wanted to bring up in this conversation, just about how, when does that nostalgia run out? Because, like we said, last real Zelda game was, you know, at least five years ago on the Wii, last real red dead game was you know four or five years ago i don't know when that came out and when do you stop going oh i loved red dead redemption i can't wait for the next one and then when does that change to seriously guys when is the next one you know yeah i i don't know i think there there is a counter argument to this of like oversaturation and everything Right. But we've talked about this like multiple times in this conversation of like hitting the middle ground. It's not like we're asking for a new game every year, but yeah. we would like something more than every five years, you know? Yeah. It's and it's because we care about it. It's because we love it. Like honestly, me, I would much rather play a spin-off Mass Effect game that might be not the greatest game, but definitely not horrible. Bioware doesn't make super bad games. But like yeah. I'd rather play a Mass Effect side spin game than 
you know, I could name a bunch of other games that I would, you know, I'd much rather play that over that. And it's just, I think they, they don't understand how much we care about wanting to have these experiences more often. And I think they need to figure out the middle ground more. Sure. Agreed. For me, like, of course, the Assassin's Creed series, I mentioned that earlier. I'm going to miss that this year. Um, And then, you know, there's those games that you just kind of think about and you're like, where did that franchise go? Yeah. Like, um, I I hope that they make a Sly Cooper 5. I really do, because they tease it at the end of Sly 4. Sanzaru was like, that. the story of that game is so cool, because Sanzaru made the Sly collection, and then they did such a good, good job on that, that they were like, hey, Sony, what if we made a real Sly game? And then that actually happened. Um, so I want more Sly Cooper. I want Jack and Dexter. If they're bringing back Ratchet Dude. and Clank, I want Jack yeah, and Dexter. Absolutely. Crash All Bandicoot day. too. Crash All Bandicoot, day. yeah. Um, I want to see what somebody could do with Spyro. Like it's a weird pick, I know, sure, but like sure. I love Spyro. That's like a childhood staple of mine. And yeah. to have a company that's creative, I, I I would love to see what they could do with that. Did you I guys mean, see the the concept art that uh, Naughty Dog put out a while ago for Jack Four? Nah. Oh my gosh, I'll, I'll send it to you guys after the podcast, but it was so, so cool. It was like the grown-up Jack that, you know, you kind of wanted when you played 2 and 3 that were like these kind of edgy teen-rated games, you know? Yeah. And they were talking about it being kind of like a Mad Max, like the game that just came out last year, um, open-world type situation. If you played Jack 3, you could get this really easily, how it would be. Um, and they... I guess basically they just decided to make The Last of Us instead of that, which I'm okay with, but... <laughs> I'm more than okay sure, with that. but, you know, like, for example, Colin Moriarty always talks about how it would be a gross waste of time for Naughty Dog to be making another Jack game, and I would be okay with someone else making it, but honestly, I think Naughty Dog needs to make another Jack game, because something that's been missing from their games is to me fun like yeah the uncharted games are cool they're a big spectacle but the shooting to me is really like really lackluster um it's average and, yeah yeah the climbing is just kind of like whatever it's not nearly as good as assassin's creed or infamous um so really when you come down to it it's the environments and the story which the story is phenomenal in, in both uncharted pieces. and last of us right but that only goes so far with me, and I want to play a Naughty Dog game where I'm having a blast the entire time instead of, oh, great, here comes minigun guy with the armor that I've got to shoot for 20 extra minutes just to get him knocked down or whatever. Like, I want a fun, fun Naughty Dog game, and I think Jack 4 would be just that. I think those guys need, like, a refreshing something after they finish Uncharted 4. I really hope I do. they do something. Cause... I totally feel that way. Jack, a new Jack and Daxter game, or even what they did with Ratchet and Clank, but they do with Jack and Daxter, that would get me to buy a PS4 more than Uncharted 4. Me personally. Wow. Because I have no investment in Uncharted. I could care less. Dude, tweet Shuhei Yoshida right now. <laughs> That's so awesome. I could care less about Uncharted. And I'm not saying they're bad games or anything. From obviously what I've seen, they're phenomenal experiences. But it doesn't resonate with me because I've never played any of them and I could care less. And it doesn't feel like a series that I need to go play. I I had a PS3, and I it was in my closet collecting dust. Last of Us came out. That was an experience I felt I needed to play. Yeah. 
Uncharted I to mean, me isn't. It's like male Tomb Raider, and it's like ah, okay, whatever. Uncharted, the Uncharted franchise, and what I assume to be the Last of Us franchise, they're great games. But honestly, in my opinion, I think they are overrated. I don't think that they're like the best games ever, and I don't think Last of Us is a ten. I think they're just like. I'm gonna go like, in the bathroom and throw up really quick at what you just said. <laughs> well, okay. The combat to me is average in The yes, Last of Us. I agree. The combat is extremely average. And what is the number one thing in video games? Gameplay. And if you're talking about what's the best part of a video game and you're saying it's gameplay, then Uncharted 1, 2, 3, and Last of Us do not hold up whatsoever. The story, the characters, the writing, which none of that is like the actual game part. All of that stuff is what stands out in an Uncharted game or a Last of Us game. And the combat and the action is just... It's just average, dude, Like as far as the actual gameplay. So I think they're overrated. Maybe maybe that's why they don't want to do a new Jack game because it relies so heavily on gameplay that they are more like towards making a solid story and then the f- gameplay is forgiven because of that. Maybe it's like, well, maybe you don't want to touch that because... You know, we need to hit on the gameplay, and we won't have that solid of a story that we can build around because it's already, a, you know, I don't know. I just see the the story in Jack and Daxter is okay. Like it's solid and it's fun, and there's some twists and turns that I like. Yeah, but obviously that's not like it's not a big thing in Crash Bandicoot. So <laughs> yeah. Crash and Jack are all about gameplay, and that's what Naughty Dog was all about back in the day. And I wish they would like really get back to that instead of being. Let's be the best interactive movie we possibly can. Like, You know what would be funny? Uh, if the whole reason Amy Hennig left, and this isn't the reason, but what if she was like all for Team Jack, Team Crash Bandicoot? <laughs> and she's like, I want to write a gritty reboot of Jack and Daxter, guys. And they're like, no, we only make adult games about mushroom heads trying to click you to death. And she's like, well, I'm out. I'm going to go make Star Wars and make a shit ton of money. So... So all right, we we've just been talking about you know games that uh, we want to we think should come back. What let's flip it really quick. A couple are going to be obvious, but what else? What other franchises do you think like need to go away? Need to take the same cue as Call Assassin's of Duty. Creed? Because uh, for me, yeah, Call of Duty obviously they could definitely take a break, um, or at least hopefully you know go back to their roots and maybe do a World War Two or something. But they need to do something different. But for me, it's Dark Souls. After Dark Souls Three comes out this year, they need to take a break from that formula. Cause I, I mean, Dark. Yeah. I'm so. I'm. Don't get me wrong. I'm gonna put 80 hours into Dark Souls three, but I'm not as excited for it as I was as Bloodborne and Dark Souls two. It's starting. I'm starting to feel the fatigue from it for sure. I think Zelda's oversaturated too. Personally, well, but not just the franchise in general, and not the main entries. Because you're getting like remasters of Twilight Princess and wind waker and you're getting freaking triforce heroes it's like, like if you're, you're releasing the hd remake of Twi- uh, twilight princess right is that the one that just came out yeah why why would you come out with triforce heroes it's like an ancillary thing where you're just trying to make oh money God. on the legend of zelda name so the Dude, worst part same. about um the twilight princess hd remake is you can play the original twilight princess on wii u okay oh, well, wow. because it's it, you can play you know backwards compatible with the wii and Twilight yeah. Princess is available for the Wii, so they re, you know they did an HD real re-release of a game that is already compatible with the system. Sure. I mean, obviously, you know they upgraded a few things here and there, whatever. But still, that that kind of it goes to your point that yeah, they're just throwing out Triforce Heroes and re-releases and all this other crap when it's not what we really want. 
Also, going to the thing of, like, what games you want to see more of, I need a second Shovel Knight, like, ASAP. Get on that. Yacht Club games. I, I, I don't think you need to worry about that. You no, can, I know. I just want I mean, it You now. can hold your breath on that one. I want it so right I'm gonna, now. <laughs> I'm going to say the only thing crazier than uh, Jordan saying Last of Us is not a 10, and that's I've never played Shovel Knight, so I'm going to get on that. Okay, that's just well, not surprising. I said was crazy. It's <laughs> it's an average game. It's uh it's it's a uh, it's best played on 3DS. I own it for 3DS. I own it for Xbox. Um I think the handheld experience is the best experience. So definitely get on it. It's it's one of the best platformers I've played probably my entire life. I love it. It's it's beautiful. I love that game so much. I think it's freaking awesome. Yeah, it's great. You should definitely play it, it on there. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of indies, we're going to get into my topic, and it's going to be basically my, you know, the top five indie games I'm personally looking forward to. Um, and there's probably some games I'm missing off of this list that I'm looking forward to that I just can't remember at the time. But some of these I actually saw for the first time at GDC this week. The first one is Arena Gods. It's a gladiatorial-style arena combat game, and I sent the guys uh, links to these beforehand, so they kind of have an understanding of what we're looking at here. And uh, so... What's your guys' thoughts on Arena Gods? So, I that was the one that was looking like Nidhogg, correct? Yeah, that was the one where it's like very colorful, yeah. Yeah, so that's my first thought, is it looks like Nidhogg. Um, and I really like these. Dude, the indie scene is keeping Couch Co-op alive. Yeah. And I really, really dig that. Like, uh, Gang Beasts and, you know, even thrown all the way back to, like, Castle Crashers. And Towerfall. Like that. Towerfall. Um, Idarb. Hashtag yep. Idarb. Hashtag Smash the Dunst. Um, yeah, so there's just all these awesome, awesome indie games that are keeping that, like, giving you a reason to have a second controller, essentially. And I'm, you know, shout out to the indies for doing that because no one else seems to care in the AAA space because it's like, you know, you got to render your game twice or whatever, and it's just stupid. Like, we want to play our games with our friends. Just let us. It's like, it's sad that you can buy a $10 game and be able to play it with your friends, but when you buy a $60 game, you have to own two copies of it to play with your friend. Oh, my God. Okay, so I don't want to get too far off subject. Dom, do you have any thoughts on Arena Gods, or do you want me to move on to the next one? No, it looks fun. I love in the trailer, like you guys pointed out, they uh, include, uh, you know, the actual video footage of four friends playing on the couch, drinking too, even. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that's definitely something that's going to help, you know, that couch co-op. It definitely conveys, like, the fun of it, right? So it's, like, four people playing, having a blast. Right. Um, so the next game here is from, I'm going to butcher his name. He's Norwegian. The great guy. I saw him on the GDC stream. Tom Evar Arnson. Um, he goes by at Animations on Twitter. And uh, this guy was just a really cool guy. I saw him on the stream. His game is Clang. It mixes, like, rhythm games with 2D platforming. It's it's very colorful. It's like Tron on acid. Um, it the the logo is beautiful, by the way. Like, wait, was Tron not already on acid? <laughs> valid counterpoint. Um, yeah, this game looks cool. I'm not very much into rhythm games, but I do love platformers. So this may be a game I'm going to take a look at. And it seems like from what I heard, he did most of the production on this game by himself, which is phenomenal because the game Ooh. looks beautiful. I love one man made games, even though. I feel like they probably crushed the soul of the developer. Right. Um, And I really like this one because, uh, as I mentioned before the podcast, I think it's really cool when rhythm games... Like, rhythm games are trying really hard right now to come up with, like, new concepts and stuff. Uh Uh-huh. 
and I think it's really cool when they're incorporated into combat, and that's what this game does. I think that's that's the way that you kind of revolutionize the rhythm gaming genre because think about that all the cool pop- possibilities you can think of like using music to destroy an enemy like with your sword or your keyblade or whatever you know yeah definitely yeah um, looking at the trailer it, it's there's no lack of color and creative art i guess um yeah it's like like you said tron on acid it's as accurate as a description as you could give this one it looks like fun so the third game on the list is chasm it comes from the same publisher as axiom verge uh which is finally going to be on vita uh which is cool uh, yeah, they they that was like a year late or whatever, where they're like, we figured it out, guys. Come yeah. to Vita. So this is from Discord, and it's called Chasm, and it's a Metroidvania style game. It includes some callbacks to like Dark Souls, where you you know rest at bonfires. It has a very beautiful art style. Um, it looks punishingly fun, and it looks like really cool. It's procedurally generated, but not in the sense of like every room is always going to be different. It's they handcrafted a bunch of different you can think of them as pipe pieces, so L shapes or maybe Tetris pieces. And the game will procedurally generate take all those pieces and make them fit. So though say me and Jordan are playing it, me and him will have different maps, but we'll have all the same pieces. So it's a really interesting way to procedurally generate a game. It looks like fun. Uh it's gonna be on PlayStation 4. They said since they got Axiom Verge working on Vita this more than likely will be on Vita if there's enough of a surge for it. So if anybody that's in in love with PlayStation Vita, Jordan, Colin, Greg, if they have anything to say about it, this will definitely hit Vita. Um, what do you guys think of Chasm? Does it look cool? Does it look fun? I love, uh, you know, obviously we're at a point where you don't have to use 16-bit graphics anymore. Yeah. People are still using uh, 16-bit graphics in creative ways that haven't ever been used before and that's like it's kind of like uh movies being made with actual film or you know music being recorded onto analog machines it's just you don't have to but it's kind of nice when you do it sounds different or it looks different and i enjoy it you know yeah it's taking the nostalgia that you love but putting like a new age kick on it which i love it's like taking what you love of the old and mixing you know, modern-esque things that you love and mashing them into one beautiful piece of greatness. Yeah, that one definitely That one definitely looks like fun, too. Okay, so the next game on the list is from Cappy Games, and this is going to be an Xbox One exclusive. It's going to be on Steam as well, obviously. Uh, it's Below. It's just, like, top-down, very dark, very menacing. Apparently, it's brutal, brutally punishing um, to the point of making people not want to finish the game. So it's definitely up our alley, I think, because all of us have played Bloodborne or Dark Souls. Um, their website is really good. I like the marketing. The website for Below is whatliesbelow.com, which is fantastic. I think that's beautiful on the marketing team uh, to get that website. The page design too, like you start at the top and it's like below and you're scrolling down through the world as you're finding out new things about the game, which is really cool because it harpens to the design style of the game and the name and everything. So the artistic point of this, from just seeing the website, I could just imagine and seeing the trailers, this game is going to be a hit. Cappy makes pretty good games, obviously. Um, this has been in gestation for a while. It should have been released, I think, a lot sooner or you know a while back and they've kind of sat on it for some reason probably technical difficulties and stuff in polishing but uh have you guys are you guys familiar with below do you guys have any expectations what you guys think about it now that i've played bloodborne i am excited for a game like this um 
I like, you know, the, for those who don't know, the environment is kind of like layered on top of each other in a cool way where it's like a, uh, you kind of go upstairs and downstairs to get through the level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, you know, just cool things like, um, kind of like the Dark Souls or Bloodborne series where they're kind of, uh, like nipping at your heels, making things tougher on you as you go and, uh creating a, a bigger challenge put in front of you um obviously it has a great art style and the the gameplay looks solid but um yeah it's definitely on my radar you dumb you familiar with below uh yeah no i wasn't until um until you brought this up and showed us earlier but yeah no i definitely love the the dark souls bloodborne-esque uh stuff they have going on too so yeah we'll definitely keep an eye on this one okay so the next one is cuphead uh cuphead takes like uh, you know old like Disney style animation and turns it into a a 2D game. It's weird because there's been discussions as to whether or not this is going to be a platformer because a lot of it's just boss fights that you see. So people are wondering if this is like boss fight the game. But like the boss fights are really cool. They look really awesome. There's like this flower one and if you love like classic Disney or that old like cartoon style like uh, Steamboat Willie, this is definitely going to be a game that people are going to enjoy and it's such a cool idea because that's an art style that hasn't been seen in a very long time, obviously. And I don't know. I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people, young and old. I think kids are going to love this game too. Um, but, like, I'm just wondering if this is going to be a 2D platformer, if it's going to be – I, I want to see – I'm fine if it's boss fight the game. I'll definitely enjoy it and I'll buy it because it looks cool. But I want to know what exactly all of the gameplay is, you know? It does seem like it needs a little more information yeah. for us to go on. Um so I'm excited to get that because this has been one of those games that's kind of seemed mysterious for a while. Yeah, definitely. It's like there's not enough information out there to make a call, but it looks interesting enough to like want to play it. Yeah, like they haven't even said the fact that it's all bosses or anything, but that's all we have to go on because that's all they've shown us. So with that, let's say that it's just bosses. Um, I'm totally cool with that because I think that's a cool way to make a video game like why do you have to run through all these hundreds of weasels that you just, you know, completely strike down without any any effort whatsoever? Why can't it all be, like... Like, why can't every enemy in a video game really, truly matter? Like, um, I don't know if you guys ever played the Prince of Persia reboot that was just called Prince of Persia. Nah. Jake Gyllenhaal? So... The... <laughs> That was around the time the movie came out, yeah, but we won't speak of that. Um, yeah, so just called Prince of Persia on Last Generation, and I was, and still am. Hey, that's a that's a franchise that needs to come back. Prince of Persia, where you at, you know? <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Prince of Persia, and um, I wanted to like that game a lot, and people had their qualms, but I think it's a good game. Anyways, the uh, the point I was making is that you only fight when you're fighting in Prince of Persia. There's only ever one enemy that you're fighting. And it makes the battles, like, really intense. And it's not hard or anything, but yeah. it makes you, like, really focus on this one guy. And you're not thinking about the next person that you're defeating. You're really in the moment. Yeah. So I think that would be cool if that's what Cuphead's going for. I think that could be to their benefit. If anything, if I had to make a guess, I'm assuming it's going to be in the Shovel Knight, Mega Man-esque style of, like... You know, it's a level, and then there's, like, a boss, like, a themed boss, right? Yeah. If I had to make a guess, but obviously we have no information, so that's basically it. Are you familiar with Cuphead, Dumb? Yes. Oh, man. Like, the art style in this. I mean, like you guys said, yeah, we're just seeing some boss boss fights or whatever, but, 
Yeah, that classic Disney style art style is just like salivating. I guess I, it's just it looks yeah. cool. If if both of those, they're both exclusive to to Xbox One and they're on PC, obviously. Uh, I'm not too sure about Cuphead. I know obviously below is, but if those two games hit it out of the park and they're really solid, that's going to be awesome for Microsoft. It's just another, you know, something good for them. That's just awesome. Um, the last game is I'm going to go out on limb here personally and say this is my most anticipated. If this game comes out this year, there's no release date on it. This is my most anticipated game of this year um, because Andromeda got pushed to next year. Katana Zero is from ASCIISoft. This game is amazing. I love 2D platformers. It's probably my favorite genre of video games. Um, And this game takes like neon 80s just awesomeness and merges it with, you know, traditional Japanese fighting mixed with time manipulation. You know, it's just, uh, it's so amazing. I, I, I... the developer is really cool. The The music in this game is fantastic. There's a dialogue system. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. There's a dialogue system where there's branching conversations you can have with people. Um, and the time manipulation in the game is really cool. It's really well implemented. The way that you play through the game and when you die, it's just a failed attempt. It's not really you dying. And when you see the camera footage, when you beat the level, that's your quote-unquote completed attempt. But that's your plan and you execute the plan and go through with it. I think it's such... It's uh, just so beautiful. It's I, I can't wait for this game. I have nothing else to say. Art's incredible. What do you guys think? Yeah, the uh... I have nothing else to say. Art's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I, I can go on and on. <laughs> no, I, I, I'd, I'd echo that too. The art looks really cool. Um, yeah. To me, it looks like you're playing a video game off of a VHS tape. Which, yes. <laughs> if you were doing that, that would be some kind of feat. Um, but... Not only that, I mean, yes, art style is awesome, but man, I just love fast-paced action games, especially hack-and-slash games where you can kind of like, I'm not sure if it's the same way in this game, but you can almost like bounce from enemy to enemy and you never really have to stop hitting buttons and tearing crap up on screen. So um, it is kind of an ultra-violent game, which I'm not nothing opposed to, or not opposed to that, but... um, I, I think we need more, like, samurai games, for one, dude. Yeah. Like, we've got Neo coming out, and that looks really cool. Um, and they're out there, you know, you could... Where's my Assassin's Creed Japan, goddammit? They said uh, they're never gonna do it, but I want that feudal me, Japan Assassin's Creed. I want it. You're hurting me. But, um, I mean, I guess you could just, like, debase yourself and go play a Samurai Warriors game if you really wanted to, but yeah. I think the best thing to do is to have a... Have more samurai games. I want more samurai games. Why are there not enough third-person action games where I have a katana in my hand? Like, what is? Why is that even a question I have to ask? You know? Yeah, I I don't know. This game is I I I'm like gushing right now. I I want this game so bad. I saw this game being played, and it was like when I saw Shovel Knight for the first time. I was like, I'm gonna love that game. I I know yeah. for a fact I'm gonna love that game. I just want to play it now. Please, just let me play it. And uh. Yeah, I'm super stoked. I like the idea of it. The cool thing, too, is like, so the whole thing going back to where you see the f- security cam footage and that's when you complete the level. Later on the, in the game, the time manipulation actually has uh, creates issues with your mentality and you start losing your mind. So when you complete a level, even though you complete it the way and it's supposed to show exactly what you did to complete the level, the security camera footage is going to be something entirely different or just a little bit different because you're starting to lose your mind. And I think that's really cool. Um, yeah, I just, I, I'm in love with this game. And so far right now, 
before E3, it is the game I'm most looking forward to for this year, if it comes out this year. It has no release date. I think even the developer said could possibly be up to a year until it's done. So maybe I'm just you know being too eager and too optimistic that it comes out this year. But I <laughs> want this game. If, if that's a 2016 game, it's my most anticipated indie for the year. Yeah, I, oh, I want that game so bad. Um, do you guys have any indies real quick before we head out? Any indies you guys are looking forward to that I didn't mention? Yeah, so... Actually, uh, this one just came out uh, March 15th on PlayStation 4 uh, with releases planned for Vita and then eventually uh, Windows. It's uh, from Ska Studios, Salt and Sanctuary. I don't know if you've heard oh, of it. Oh, I heard that game's supposed to be really good. Uh, they've been they've been saying if you're into like brutal games that it's supposed to be a really good time. It, it looks as if, it literally looks as if Dark Souls was turned into a 2D you know, platformer game. That's exactly nice. what it looks like. Like. Step for step, that's what... I mean, it looks like it could almost be copied. Like, they might get in trouble kind of copied, but... People yeah, are saying it's more, one of the more underrated games. Like, people aren't talking about it enough, that they should be talking about it. And we yeah. are, so... Yeah. <laughs> Trendsetters here, kind of controlled interests. Yeah. Yeah, it looks fantastic. You, Jordan? Anything I didn't mention that you're excited for on the indie scene? Um, so we were talking about this one game I couldn't remember the name of before the podcast, and it's called Stories, I guess guess uh the path of destinies is the subtitle yeah that's the one that and looks like uh brother tales of two sons right that one right it's got like a you know it's called story so it's got like a storybook vibe to it and um it's a third person fixed camera angle and um kind of just you know third person action adventure where you're going around as this fox with a rabbit uh, companion and you've got your sword and you're out there fighting baddies um Really beautiful art style and just looks like a lot of fun. Looks like a good adventure. Um, another one I'm really excited for, even though I'm not sure if it's uh, coming out this year, is oh man, I'm, I'm blanking on the name. It's uh, an ex Bioshock developer and the Blind Girl. You're talking about the Blind Girl? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's I, it. I don't remember the name of the game, but yeah, I know which one you're talking about. I'm gonna find it for you right Let's now. See, Let's see, Blind here. Girl indie game. Google, be my friend. Beyond Eyes? No. Yes. Is that it? Wait, no, no, no. That's um. That's the other that's one. That's Xbox. Perception. I think it's Perception. Right. Yes, Perception. So yeah, this was an IGN first uh, a couple months ago, and it's basically like you're walking around this, I guess, haunted house, and you are a blind girl, um, and so you're you're essentially seeing through sound, um. And you're kind of like feeling your way around this house and you can, with your sonar powers, I guess you would call them, you can see, you know, apparitions and monsters and ghosts throughout the house. Um, with it being an ex-Bioshock developer, I'm sure we'll get plenty of audio diaries and backstory through things like that. Really clever idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what indies need to be doing right now is just... Thinking of, which they are, um, you know, having new and interesting ways to interact with a video game, I think, is what's going to keep indies relevant. Yep. Um, so, yeah, uh, perceptions, stories, I'm excited for Below. Um, there's a couple others out there, but I'm, I'm kind of blanking on those, so. Alrighty, so what are you guys going to be playing this coming week? For me, I'm going to be playing through the division, getting more through that, continuing Pokemon Yellow as usual, Smite as always. I don't have to. I think at this point, I just want to stop saying that I'm going to be playing Smite, and I need to get to um, Child of Light. I said I was going to play it last week, but 
I just didn't get to it. So I need definitely need to play that. What about you guys? So I'll probably run through uh, Ocarina of Time. This weekend, for the first time on 3DS, um, totally different experience, by the way. <laughs> um, and then it does look fire. way better. It You're going to be surprised. Yeah, no, it, lo- it does look remarkably better still, not great. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's what I'll be doing next. You, Jordan? Um, so I'm going to continue with the Mass Effect. Um, the Mass Effect. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the Mass as, Effect. As an old person would probably say. Um, it seems like a, a mama joke. It's like your mama's so fat, she's the Mass Effect. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh wow. Um, yeah. So Mass Effect, loving it. Um, like I said, it is you know a little bit of an older game, so you start to feel some of the the creaks in it. I guess you would and say the clunkiness and everything. Right. Um, but yeah, just started Daredevil season two, so I'll probably go watch episode two right after this. Um, and then, I don't think there's... Oh, yes, yes. I forgot to, uh, to mention this. Alienation is coming out. Uh, check out Alienation. I'm sh- it's like 20 bucks, And uh, another one of those fixed camera angle games, third person. Are you buying um, it when it comes out? Yeah, if I can get some cash together, I will. Um, uh, I'll be buying it definitely within the first month of release. Because that is one of my most anticipated games. Should have said it was my, one of my most anticipated indie games of this <laughs> yeah. year, but we're getting it in at the tail end, you know? Okay. So, yeah, if you like blowing up aliens, man, Alienation's where it's at. Awesome. So, thank you guys for joining us for our longest episode yet. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, before we head out, we just want to say thank you guys for all the support. If you guys are listening to this on iTunes, thank you. Um, if you can, leave us a rating and leave us a review. It helps us get more exposure because that's definitely what we're trying to do. We're trying to grow the show, get it out there to as many people as we can. We appreciate all of you who subscribe on YouTube. Like us uh, on – or follow us rather on SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter. We, we appreciate all of the all of the views and you know shares and everything we're getting now and we're just going from here. And you know we just appreciate all of the support we're getting. Thank you guys and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Anything to say before we head out, guys? Yep, uh, PS4K is going to come out 2017, calling it. Bold prediction of the week. <laughs> okay. Hashtag smash the dust. Alrighty, guys. Catch you next week. Bye. <laughs>